again. For those who don't know me, my name is Mark. If you're tuning in, uh, maybe you checked out Christmas Eve and you want to see what, uh, what else we're all about, welcome. We're really glad that you're here this morning. If you're tuning in as a regular Kingsway family, I'm super glad that you are with us as well. Uh, you know, uh, this morning, this week, we get to say goodbye to 2020. Yes, I can hear your cheers all the way from here. Goodbye, 2020. You know, um, uh, it's funny at the beginning of the the beginning around March when uh, some of the yearbooks were coming out. One of the yearbooks, Logan said uh, they had printed it obviously before anything had started happening and said, "2020, wish every year could be like this one." I don't think any of us feel that way at all. I think we're like glad to see 2020 go, and we're saying goodbye to that, but. What I've realized is that we're not saying goodbye to COVID. I wish we were. We're not saying goodbye to confusion. I wish we were. We're not saying goodbye to lockdowns because, well, I still wish we were. Uh, We've just entered another lockdown, and I got a number of texts and and emails and uh, some phone conversations this week because a number of weeks ago, I I shared some things uh, about COVID, and people wanted to know, so are you guys staying open? Are you going to stay open? Uh, and uh, other pastors asked me, some p- p- other people from other churches, some people from other uh, counties saying, hey, you know, ours are going to be locked down. Will you, will you be open? And, and the answer to that question is, I don't know yet. Someone's dinging. Whoever's texting Mich- Michelle. <laughs> Quiet mom. We know you saw your daughter on the stage. Yes, we know you're proud of her. Uh, I'm just kidding. All right. So this morning, yeah, this morning, uh, welcome to our Kingsway family. We're not as professional as, you know, some of the others, but we attempt to be genuine and real. And so this morning, this morning, I, I, uh, I would just say this, that this morning, I want to just share my heart with you as, as your pastor, as your leader, um, as a leader. Uh, but this is meant for our Kingsway family. This isn't really one of those things I'm like, hey, share this thing around, because Uh, My opportunity to speak to you is through this mode, but it's really for our Kingsway family this morning. Uh, There's a ton of misinformation out there right now uh, and has been for a while. I've been telling you over and over that the media and the news are not telling you the whole story. But uh, I I was uh, listening to my brother-in-law, Jamie. He's from the Springvale Church. Phenomenal. If you're looking for more messages to encourage you throughout the weeks, tune in to the the, um, dwelling place in Springvale. A couple weeks ago, Jamie shared about how all of us find ourselves in that place. Because, you know, right now with the way the information uh, is, being, is being shared and being understood, it is like that parable of the, of the uh, seven blind men and the elephant. You know, there's the, it's famous, it's, it's been, this, this story has originated in India, been around for years where seven blind men try and describe what an elephant is like to all those around them. And one, you know, says, oh, no, it's a spear. And the other one's, no, it's not, it's a fan. What are you talking about? Others are like, a fan? They're hugging the leg saying, this thing's like a, tree and they try and describe based on their limited subjective experiences and in some of the versions of the story because there's multiple versions of it they suspect others of being dishonest and they actually come to blows you know uh, beating each other up over not being genuine not telling the truth but the truth is that none of them have the whole truth. And, 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 and they said that the, the moral of the, the story is that humans have a tendency to claim absolute truth without having the total truth and I think we've seen that with COVID. And I think that I've seen that even in, in my own life sometimes is sharing, you know, that the, you th- everybody thinks they've got the, um, they've got the market on, on truth. 
And, and I, I would encourage us to think about it in that way, that regardless of which part we have, we may not have the whole thing. You know, and, and what I've seen is as a result, there's this constant message of fear. You know, we talked about hope in a vaccine a couple weeks ago, just talking about temporary hopes and how the vaccine is just around the corner. And then all of a sudden, I don't, you've seen it in the news this week. Oh, no, there's another strain. Will, the, will this vaccine cover that? Again, just that message of fear. This next one's way worse, more contagious. You know, uh, Gary, at the end of our um, Christmas Eve service, he thanked our fearless leader, Mark. <laughs> and I had to chuckle. I had to chuckle. Because, you know, not only do I wish that was the case, that I was a fearless leader, but to be honest, I want that to be the case. I, I want that to be the case, that we, that we are living and leading and, and being Jesus followers who don't make decisions based on fear. And, and the title of today's message is simply this, New Year, No Fear. New Year, No Fear. Because fear does funny things to people. You know, when people have these, these fears, it, it leads to irrational behavior. It leads to irrational decision-making. And I think uh, as leaders in our country, as leaders in our churches, we find that those uh, places, there's that opportunity to make irrational decisions, irrational actions, irrational behaviors, just from fear. So my wife, many of you know, is terrified of spiders. And you know, it's humorous when she sees one and screams out her, I know the spider scream. I'll, I'll, I used to come running. Now I just know, grab a shoe on the way and let's go find the spider. But you know, that fear of spiders, that, that, that fear of something that's so much smaller than you, that at any time, Beth could just like squash it. I just remember there's one time where she was driving and all of a sudden, doesn't one just drop from the visor? And, you know, I've showed this before, uh, things like this. And people are like, oh, they, they, they turn away from their TVs even. They're like, oh, why did you show that? Because it reveals this fear. And she was like, oh, kill it, kill it. And trying to drive all over this place, pulling off the road, thankfully, rather than to, to like, let's squish this to another vehicle type, type thing. Let's kill it. But those, those fears can cause different things in us. That can uh, lead to dangers in our life, you know. And I, I wonder, like, were you ever afraid of the dark? Were you ever afraid of the boogeyman in the closet? I mean, I, don't, I think all of us were. Back in the day when I was a little boy, I, uh, my, my opa, which for those who aren't Dutch, his grandfather, he told me about the time when he was, when he was younger. And, and he, he, would lay, he was laying awake in his bed one night, just terrified, looking at this reflection or this silhouette that was in his window. And he was sure it was the Germans looking into his window. He saw this, this helmet thing similar to this. He drew it for me. I couldn't find you know, one that exactly matched it. But it was something similar to this, peeking in his window. And he was there terrified and just couldn't, couldn't get the, couldn't sleep. And then he's finally like, I, I just, I, I just got to go. I got to find out what this is because he could see that, that um, shadow on the wall, and when he got there, he finally got to realize it was this. It was just a silhouette of, of a burnt-out lamp that normally was lit, but because the light had burnt out, it now cast a shadow into his room. And what I find for us, and I find for any time that we find ourselves scared, when the lights come on, it thinks that we find often that our fears were unwarranted. I remember as a child that you know, under the bed, there was nothing under there when the lights were on. It's just crazy how there was something under there when it was dark. You know, in the closet. They're, it's like, oh no, there's somebody hiding in there. It looks like a, he, it looks like he has a gun. And then you turn it on, and you realize it was just, you know, you know, a sweater and a hockey stick leaning up there. You're like, oh, oh it's, it looks different in the light. And, 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 you know, I think when the lights come on, we realize that a lot of our fears are, are unwarranted. You know, there, there's this, uh, the, 
the common thought of how the deer in the headlights, when, when a deer, you come across a deer in the middle of the night, why do they stand in the middle of the road when imminent danger is barreling down on them? One of our, uh, my buddies hit a deer this week, and they do, they, it does damage to the vehicles, does damage to the deer. Why do they stand there? You know, the science behind it is that, they, that their pupils are so dilated um, to see in the dark that when the lights shine in there, they are blinded and don't have a sweet clue where to go at all. So they just wait there until the, their pupils are, are not as dilated so they can see where to go. But what is happening? Like, there, there's a fear that for us that immobilizes us. Uh, that when people should be moving, they stand still. When, they, when there's a time for, for action or a time to make decisions, they're like, oh, we don't know what to do because of fear. Psychology Today uh, posted this, and it says that uh, um, the, the one, of the, one of their articles, they were talking about this, that fear causes us to slam on the brakes instead of steering into the skid. Fear immobilizes us when we have our greatest need for strength. It causes insomnia, ulcers, and gives us dry mouth and jitters at the very moment where there is a greatest premium on clarity and eloquence. Fear does these things to us. You know, and it's not a new discovery. That, that just, it's, it's, it's in our wiring. Solomon, Solomon wrote about nearly 3,000 years ago. The man who wrote Proverbs was known as the wisest man of his time, and his wisdom uh, remains to this day. In Proverbs 28.1, he says this, The wicked run away when no one's chasing them, but the godly... They're bold as a lion. They're bold as a lion. You know, he refers to the wicked, and, and before everybody gets offended and says, well, oh, they think we're wicked, you, you know I love you. <laughs> I would say that there, for many of us, we find ourselves in that place at times in our life where fear is allowed to affect the decisions that, that, that we make, even the small ones. Like um, shortly after we got married, I had panic, atta- I had panic attacks. I, it wasn't because we got married. It's because I was uh, afraid of dying. And I, I would have these panic attacks, and I, I would make decisions like, you know what, I'm not leaving home. I, I'm going to stay in my house because the panic would, I never knew when it was going to hit me. Then I got diagnosed with the irritable bowel syndrome, saying, you know, then, then it was like, man, I'm not going anywhere where I can't get to a bathroom in six minutes. You know, if I can't get to a bathroom in six minutes, I'm not going anywhere. And I would be, I'd be limited to, to my place or, you know, spots around it. You know, it affects the big decisions in our life as well. I was so terrified of dying back in that day that, I mean, I was on the internet all the time, Googling all the symptoms. I thought I like, I had everything. And because fear begins to do that to you. And I began, you know, I told Beth, I'm like, you know what? I don't want to have any children because, you know, I'm pretty sure I'm going to die really young. And like, I just, that fear was like, I don't want to have, I don't want to have fatherless children. Beth and I argued about it. I didn't win. I lost four times actually. And one as a result to my kids watching, man, I'm so glad. And I say this, I'm so glad someone talked me out of that fear. I'm glad someone said, hey, I don't, I don't think it's right that you remain in that fear. And, and I feel that same way this morning. You know, I think of the COVID fears uh, of, of, of what's happening in our, our world right now. Things of the, you know, the lockdowns, the fears of vaccines, the fears of conspiracy theories, all of these fears, they do something to us. And, and my encouragement and challenge to us is that to, to, to find the rest of the elephant, to dig for some of the other things. A number of weeks ago, I shared with you, here's where you can find truth for yourself. Here's where you can find other facts for yourself. And some of you came and said to me, Mark, you shouldn't be talking about Ontario because that's not the big, that's not the whole picture. I understand that, but that is the picture where we live. That's the picture where I live. You know, I think when we explain to people to assess the risks of what's going on in the, in the world, it matters where you live. The, the risk involved matters in, to your location. It matters to other circumstances. I remember to 
just talking with some of our people who are vulnerable. And I'm so proud of them for making wise decisions because the, the risk for them is so much higher. And, and they're taking steps to, to, be, to be careful. And I'm like, man, that is, that is, that is commendable. And, and I, as talking with them on the phone, I'm just, I'm grateful for that. You know, and I think about where we assess risk. If I were to say today, you know, someone told us, hey, you know what? I, we, we, everybody's going to go for an hour dip in the, in the ocean this morning. Well, there's a very different, we, we'd have to assess that risk and say, are we going to go jump in the ocean? Well, that depends. If you live in Florida, you're probably like, yeah, that sounds fine. Let's go do that. But if you live in Nova Scotia, you're like, uh, I don't know if an hour is really all of that wise. Do you understand that that blanket statement doesn't blanketly apply to everyone? It doesn't, not if you use logic. And, and that's where you know, when I, when I want to encourage you to take a look at what's really happening, because the fear that gets tried to get pushed on people affects the decisions that we make. So can I just leave you? I just want to share a couple of facts with you that are also facts that maybe you haven't read in the news um, uh, recently. Did you know that in the last 30 days in Ontario, the average death per day has been 24? That's way below what was happening in the beginning of the pandemic way below. But you're, you're not going to read that. Do you know that over the last month, we've had 840 deaths? And that is tragic because I know people who are affected by that. And every single one of those deaths is tragic. 840. 33 of those were, are, were under the age of, of 60. 11 of them under the age of 50. You know, the, the, the death rate as a whole since the last time I talked about this has actually dropped by has actually been dropping from 3%, you know, three weeks ago to 2.6%, meaning more people are surviving. And I'm grateful to our healthcare people for, for what they do now, um, what they know now and how to treat this, that, that is changing in Ontario. Did you know that hospitalizations are down 260 people in the last two days? 260. You know, we're saying the hospitals are being overrun I understand that there are hospital numbers that are rising, but what, you'll, what you don't hear about is when they go way down. 260 people, you're like, well, what does that mean? That's 25% of the people that were hospitalized are no longer hospitalized. And of those 260, you're like, well, they, they must have all died. 39 of them did. 39 out of 260. Can I, can I say that there are other facts that help us to make decisions, to weigh out risks, to, to make decisions using logic and wisdom and using the facts? And I encourage you to do that with your life because fear, if we don't choose, fear will be that motivating factor. And, and I love what Solomon alludes to this because he says, you know, the, the wicked run when no one's pursuing them. When, when they're not in danger, they're fleeing everywhere. But he, he alludes to this other thing that I, I want to focus on this morning that he simply says that the people who know that they are righteous, the ones who are good with God, there's a boldness and there's a courage that comes from being righteous, from being right with God. And others wrote about it all the time. And I see it throughout scripture. Daniel would prophesy about people who would face incredible hardships. And he says, but you know what? He says, some of them, they got wiped out. He says, but, but the, the, the ones who know their God, they're strong and they do great things as a result. They stay strong. Why? Because they, they, they know their God. You'll find that in Daniel 11. There's an old bumper sticker that I, I remember just from a kid. It's still around. You can still buy it. It says this on it. Know Jesus, no peace. But if you know Jesus, you'll know peace. Know Jesus, no peace. But you know Jesus, you'll know peace. Daniel mentions that. 
Solomon talks about that throughout Scripture, that those who know their God, there's something that happens on the inside as a result. And, and you know what they don't say? It's not those who know about Jesus, because our country is full of people who know about Jesus. Our churches are full of people who know about Jesus, who never take the step to know him, to know him. And this morning, uh, my encouragement is that this year we would get to know him, his character, that we would know his ways, that we would know his word, that we would know his voice, that we would know his direction. Because as a church, it isn't going to matter anymore if we're in the building. It matters right where you are. In your community, in the circles that you're in, do you know him? Do you know his leading, his direction, his voice? Because I, I, I think we need to realize that any, any message that causes that other kind of fear isn't from him. It's not from him. You know, John, who was an eyewitness follower of Jesus, followed Jesus around for three years. He knew a thing or two about Jesus. Wow. First John 4, something just fell there. It was probably me. But First John 4, verse 7, John says this, Beloved, let's love one another for love is of God and everyone who loves is born of God and what? Knows God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. So he's like, so let's love one another. Verse 8, he who does not love does not know God. For what? He says, for God is love. This is like the first time anyone ever described God with this, this terminology. You know, God of the Old Testament was God omnipotent, God all-powerful, God the judge, God the just, God the holy. And John's like, yeah, but you know what? He is love. I've watched Jesus on this planet. Uh, to, to who he is, he, he's, he's love personified. First John, he goes on, John writes to them later and says in verse 17, just a few verses later, he says, love has been perfected among us in this way that we may have boldness. That we may have boldness. He says we may, we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Why? Because as he is, so are we in this world. He says we'll have boldness in the day of judgment because we have it now. Because we live like Jesus in this world. Man, I want that to be the truth about me. I want that to be the truth about us. He says, there is no fear in love because perfect love casts out fear. You just back it up. He said, God himself is perfect. He's perfect love. Perfect love casts out fear. If there's fear in there, something is amiss with this idea of of perfect love being perfected in us. He says, perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. He's like, this idea of us being interconnected with love himself will drive out fear in our lives because the fear isn't coming from God. That fear doesn't come from him. It's against his very nature. It's against his very being. Paul would write to Timothy later and say, Tim, I know you're a young guy. You're in a place that's hostile towards the gospel. He says, God didn't give you a spirit of timidity or spirit of fear. Timothy, he gave you his spirit, which is love and power and a sound mind. And that is true for Tim as it was just true for us that his spirit lives in you, the spirit of love, a spirit of his power, the spirit of a sound mind to make decisions that are not run by fear. I believe that's a temptation that we all face every single day right now, that we would make decisions based on, based on fear. You know, I was reminded of a banner that when I was a kid, I used to go, I went to grade school. I did go to school for a few years. In grade ones to three, um, in Wellinport Christian School, there was this massive banner in the hallway that's, that was taken from Proverbs 1 verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. You know, as I thought about that, I realized there is a place for fear in our life. But if fear is in its proper place, it results in wisdom. When, when our lives are not based on truth, fear 
this terror fear is the result. But here the, Solomon simply writes and says, you know what, the fear, which there is a terror involved in that, but it's this more of this awesome reverence and awe and respect of who God really is. He says, that's going to lead you to wisdom. What's wisdom? Wisdom's the right use of knowledge, the right use of the facts. His spirit's going to lead you into that wisdom. Jesus would say later that it's his, his spirit that would lead us in, and guide us into truth. But that awesome respect of who God is. I think so often we get our eyes on who we are. We think the story's all about us, but it isn't. It's about him, and we've got him in that proper place. Oh, man, fear, you lost your hold on me. (laughs) I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. Fear, you got no hold on us. We know who our God is. A true understanding of who he is, of who he is, leads to wisdom. The psalmist would write about it in their songs of remembrance. Psalm 118, he says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he's good. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His mercy... That undeserved favor in our lives, that undeserved um, salvation from punishment. He's like, man, that endures forever. Verse 2, he says, so let Israel now say his mercy endures forever. And let the house of Aaron say, I don't know if that was Aaron Constable, probably not. It was the house of Aaron, Moses' brother, say, you know, his mercy endures forever. Verse 4, he says this, if you're not in the nation of Israel and you're not in the house of Aaron, he just simply says, let those who fear the Lord, let those who have that awesome respect of who God is. He says, yeah, let them say his mercy endures forever. In verse five, he says, I called on the Lord in my distress and I called out to God in my times of fear and the Lord answered me and set me in a broad place. Verse six, he says, the Lord's on my side. Man, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can men do to me? That's a question I wrestle with. What can men do to me? Because apparently they can do a lot. And I think that's the fear that so many have, been, have, have had is like, man, I'm afraid of what people are going to do, what people are going to say, what people are going to think. And, and it drives our fear to become to this in, inward spot. The psalmist reminds us, saying, you know, I'm not going to fear. What's, what can man do to me? The Lord is for me. You know, if someone's going to give their son, give their life for you, they're for you. And, and he, he spoke this even way back when. The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I shall see my desire on those who hate me. It's better to trust in the Lord, he says. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. We so often want to put confidence and trust in, in different people, different leaders. They're human. They're people just like us. He says, man, your confidence, your trust needs to be in the Lord. He says, it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in the princes, even in the, even in the, 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 the government leaders of your day. Yeah. That's true for us today. The truth is there for us today, but are we living that? And man, I want to be in that camp. I want to be in that group that those who fear the Lord that have that awesome reverence and understanding of who he is, that he's the one that we look to in our times of fear and distress. Jesus would remind the disciples of this in Matthew 10 as he sent them out. Man, how many times does he have to say it? Probably just one more time. Because in each and every day that we face, I think we come up to this thing. He says this, don't be afraid of those who threaten you. This is Jesus talking. Don't be afraid of those who threaten you. The time's coming when everything that is covered will be revealed and all that secret will be made known to all Verse 27, and this is when he's been sending out his disciples. He says, what I tell you now in the darkness, he's teaching them about the kingdom of God, about the gospel. He's like, shout that abroad when daybreak comes. What I whisper in your ear, you shout that from the housetops for all to hear. Verse 28, don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. We're like, wait, that's who we're afraid of. He's like, don't. Don't be afraid of that. 
your eyes are in the wrong spot in that moment. Don't be afraid of those who want to kill your body. They can't touch your soul. Fear again. He says, fear only God who can destroy both soul and body in hell. His idea isn't to strike this fear of like, God's going to send you to hell. He's like, listen, there's, there is one who deserves an awe and respect and a realization of that he's the one I follow. He's the one I'm obeying. He's the one I have allegiance to. Verse 29, he just helps settle their hearts. He says, you know, what's the price of two sparrows? Just like one copper coin? But not even a single sparrow falls to the ground without your father knowing it. Like God, God cares. He cares. You can trust him because he cares. And he says, and the very hairs in your head, they're all numbered. Verse 31, what? So don't be afraid. Three times in just a number of verses, don't be afraid. Don't be, don't be motivated, captivated, directed by fear. He says, man, you're more valuable than a whole flock of sparrows. God has got you. You know, as Jesus followers, we're actually called to follow Jesus. As Jesus followers, we're actually called to take his word into our lives and say, this, this, holds, this holds a special place of allegiance in my life. And so I share all of that to share this this morning. And this is the part I'm saying, you know, I don't necessarily want shared around, but this is just the stuff that is just going on in my heart right now. You know, my, my hope is that as a church, we, and as leaders, we would make decisions with logic and wisdom out of obedience to Jesus. That that's where we would find ourselves. That's where we would find ourselves. You know, there's an old fairy tale in the 1850s. It was told about a, 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 a little chicken named Chicken Little. You know, one day, you know, all, all was normal until uh, uh, as Chicken Little is out there, an acorn falls on her head. And what does she say? Ah, the sky is falling. The assumption is that we are in pandelirium. The sky is falling. The sky is falling. And, and what does she do? She runs off to tell the king, you know, that the, the whole sky is falling. And then the, she runs into a number of others along the way who just have, you know, um, not, not very originally rhymed names. You know, Ducky Lucky, Turkey Lurky, Goosey Lucy, uh, Cocky Locky, uh, all, all these things, she, these others she runs along. She's like, where, where are you going? The sky is falling. The sky is falling. We got to go tell the king the sky is falling. And they're all like, yes, yes, we agree. We'll go along with you. At no point does one of them stop and say, hey, wait, wait a second. How, how do you know the sky is falling? What, who, what do you mean? Has anybody actually checked to see if the sky is actually falling before we go off to the king? None of them, none of them do. They just, they just blindly run along saying, oh, we'll just take, you know, they, they must have the whole truth. Let's just follow Henny Penny. And, and, and I, I'm not saying that to, to create, paint the picture that, that I know what's happening. Because I, I, I'll admit, there's parts of the elephant that I don't know. But in the story of Chicken Little, what do we find at the end? That there's an opportunist, Foxy Loxy, an opportunist who says, you know, when I read it as a kid, it says he walked with, he walked with Turkey Lurkey, then Foxy Loxy ate Turkey Lurkey. And then he walked with Goosey Lucy, and then he ate Goosey Lucy. And he walked with each of them. And, 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 they, and they were destroyed as a result. You know, when I look at what's happening in our nation, when I look at what's happening in our province, when I look at what's happening in our world, when I try to see the bigger picture, I have questions. And maybe I I just want to put this out there this morning. I have questions. These are questions, not decisions. But I asked you a few weeks ago, and I'll ask you again, is is it logical? Is it logical that we, who were in an orange zone two days ago, are now in a gray lockdown zone, even though the numbers that define that have not changed? 
Is that a logical thing? Is it logical to lock down the church? A church in a zone (laughs) that shouldn't be in a gray lockdown, according to the numbers, according to the real danger. Is it logical to lock down that church when they're the ones who are offering food to the hungry, who are giving clothing to those in need, who are helping pay the rent for people, who are offering marriage counseling, who've steadied lives from suicide, who've um, just given emotional counseling to others to help uh, deal with depression? <laughs> because can I, can I tell you something? You are that church. You are the ones who are doing those very things. Does it seem, and, and you know what? You're doing it for free. You're doing it for free. Is it logical to lock down the organizations that are helping to fight the effects of COVID in safe ways? Is it, does, it, does it make logical sense that we're going to stop the ones who are doing things safely, probably safer than, than, than some of the other things that remain open, that actually love the people and are fighting against COVID with our government leaders? Does it make logical sense to lock those down? These are just questions. I don't assume to say that I have the answer, but can I tell you this? This week, I had the opportunity to go around and be the hands and feet for Kingsway Church. I got to go to a number of homes. I delivered tons of gifts. Uh, I would say hundreds over the last uh, couple weeks. And I met people along the way. Can I tell you that that I met a woman as I dropped something off at her house that last year her husband passed away and, and, and I, as I saw her, she recognized me and she said, oh, it's you. She's not a Jesus follower. She's not, she's not from this church. She said, oh, she saw him. She's like, oh, it's you. I, I've, seen, I've, met, I've seen you before. I was like, yeah, I remember. And, and I asked her, hey, is everything okay? And I saw like a small tear here. She realized I was dropping off a gift for them, even though we don't know them. They don't know us. And I could see she began to just sort of shake her head. And she's like, you know what? My husband died last year. My daughter and her three children moved in with me. The government has just recently cut my checks. I can't afford to pay my bills. She said, I just recently broke my ankle. And on Friday, the fire department was here because my washer and dryer caught on fire. And she says, I, now I don't have even a washer and dryer to be able to do the laundry for these kids that are living here. And, and you just hear the desperation in her voice. I said, hold on one second. Went back to my car and immediately just grabbed $300 in gift cards because you guys paid for those. And I handed them to her and she just started bawling. Because here was just a little glimmer of hope in a real life that's really affected by COVID, though she does not have the disease. And I want to say that there are people, how many more are around us? You know what my hope? My hope is that us as a church, we're going to buy them a washer and dryer. That we would be able to go and say, hey, listen, there's people who love and care about you because the church is essential. Because this group of people who went out and met all kinds of needs, fed all kinds of people, that, that, that it matters. That it matters. Is it logical? Is it logical to arbitrarily remove charter-protected freedoms from people without demonstrably justified cause? especially the group of people that is there to help fight in the battle. So, man, just, can I just say that as, as a leader, as a person, as a pastor, I, I want to stand for the others out there who are considered to be non-essential. No one, <laughs> no one's truly non-essential. I want to stand for those who are legitimately vulnerable. 
to stand in safe ways for them. I want to stand for those who are looking to help for help and to make sure there is a place where they can find the help that they need. Because there's more than just physical health, and we've said it time after time. There is truly mental health, financial health, uh, spiritual health, moral health, relational health that is at stake. And we've been called to be the answer to that. I want to stand for the future of Canadians who haven't had a chance to vote to say that this is what these are. I, I'm good with a Canada that, that where freedoms can just be encroached upon just without, without actual logical reason. And I want to stand for the future of this church and the church and the nation that I love. I want to. But I realize that that's not just my decision. And I know I've just sort of put thoughts out there this morning. Those are just questions, questions that I wrestle with so that you know where I'm coming from. And I want to, I just, I, I guess I want to leave you with this. Can I just tell you that as the leadership of this church, we promise and we commit to do what's actually best for the health and safety of our church because we love you. We, we love our church and we love people. We're not going to be reactionary. We're not going to be fear-based and we're not going to be reckless. But I say that to say this, whether we open or not is not the issue. The issue is that you are the church and you are essential, Kingsway. 100 times in the New Testament, it talks about this idea of love one another. And it says this, pray for one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, care for one another, yield to one another, forgive one another, serve one another, speak truth to one another, be hospitable to one another. All of these things and many more do not depend on whether there is a pandemic, social distancing, any of that stuff. That command is not just only if that's not the case. So my encouragement to us as a church is that regardless of whether we are open or not, that you would be the church, that you would find ways to love one another and to know Christ for yourself, that we would not be fearful, but we won't be foolhardy. We won't be reckless. We care about people way too much for that. I like how Martin Luther during the bubonic plague simply said this, you know what, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to put myself in places where I don't need to be because I don't want to spread something unnecessarily. But he says, but I'm not going to deny my brother who needs me. I will go in there and I will trust God with the outcome. Man, I, I want to be that person. I want us to be that church because I believe that there's people who need someone to be that voice. So I would like to ask two things from our Kingsway family this morning. Two things. Number one, would, would you make knowing Jesus a priority in your life this coming year? Would you make knowing him a priority? I'm not asking you to stand against fear. I'm not asking you to just, oh, just don't be afraid. That's not how it works. I tell my kids this. It's like, how do you get weeds out of your lawn? You plant more grass. And you just keep planting more grass till it chokes it out. And my encouragement is the same for you. Would you plant the word, uh, his word in your heart this year intentionally that you say, I want to get to know Jesus. And I would ask you, and I'm not asking you to do something that I, that I wouldn't do. I actually want to ask you to do something with me this year. This past year, I read through the New Testament and I would like to invite you to do the same thing with me. If you're not part of a of a Bible study anywhere else or whatever, I, you, I, I'll invite you to actually do this with me. All that it requires is this. Number one, would you go download version? If you don't have the version Bible app, it's, a, it's where you can have a chance to have the Bible, his word on a device. And then would you, would you go and find the Bible Project New Testament in a year? Find that, that plan. 
It gives incredible insight and, and it helps to understand. It's, it's so well done, so well described. But to start with me on January 1st, as we begin to read about Matthew tells about Jesus, because Jesus is the express image of God the Father himself. And as we get to know him and how he acted and reacted on this planet, that we would be like Jesus. We would be like, as he is, so are we in this world. But how do we know if we don't know? Would you take that? And if you want to do that with someone, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm not in another Bible study or whatever. I'd like to do that. Shoot me a text because I'll invite you and we'll do it together. We'll actually every single day to give us a chance to share thoughts with one another on that Bible app. I'd love to do that with you. And then finally, my last question for you as, as my Kingsway family is this. Would you pray for us this week? Would you pray for us as your church leadership? I've talked with many pastors over this past week on the phone through email. I'll be talking with other pastors this week through the phone and via email, finding out, you know, the wisdom that's in the safety of counselors. But, but would you pray for us? Because I feel the decisions we need to make in this day and age and this time matter. They, they matter immensely. And we want to do that in the right, in the right way. Would you, would you pray for church leaders in our, in our area? Would you pray for our, our uh, one another? And this morning, we just want to close by doing just that, to take a moment to just pray together, to pray for our church family. We're going to pray here uh, as we lead you and then just give you a moment to do that in your home as well. If someone comes to your mind, would you pray for them? And then would you send them a text saying, hey, I'm praying for you this morning because he brought you to my mind this morning. And would you pray for, for church leaders and church pastors in our area because, man, they're going through some difficult things right now. And then would you pray for our provincial leaders and leaders in our, in our province? And then finally, would you join us as we just pray for our nation? As we pray for Canada, this nation we love, would you join us as we do that this morning? I'm going to invite Gary to join us here on stage. We're just going to take a few minutes to pray together. And when we pause, that's an opportunity for you to pray out loud in your home with whatever he's put on your heart. Would you do that with us this morning? Why don't you start us off? Thanks so much, Mark. this microphone and uh, and just pray. So let's just do that together. Uh, Lord, just so thankful, so thankful to be part of a, a family of believers like Kingsway. So thankful to have an opportunity to come together and just praise your name, just to put you first and foremost in our lives, just to reach out and just say, Lord, you alone are worthy. And as we pray this morning for our church family, our church family that is scattered today, and that's such a, a strange thing for us not to be together, but as we're scattered across this region and, and in some very faraway places as well, Lord, we just want to pray for the physical health of our family. We, we know there's so much going on that we don't need to know the details. We don't need to know because you know. You know exactly what's going on in our lives, and we just continue to pray for, for those people, for their physical health, for their mental health, Lord, for those who are struggling with depression and isolation, for those who are just feeling overwhelmed by fear, Lord, would you just draw close to them so that they would feel your presence, they would know your presence, and as they begin to know you, as they reconnect with you, Lord, uh, just banish fear from their lives. And, and mostly, Lord, I just want to pray for their spiritual health, for the, the spiritual health of our Kingsway family as we find ourselves so disjointed, so, so unable to support each other in the way we normally do, so unable to have conversations after service in the morning where we can see something in our brother's eye, we can see something in our sister's eye and respond. Just want to pray for that, Lord. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, would you just move in our lives right now, in this moment, Lord? Would you move in our lives 
to, to reassure us, to show us exactly who you are, but to bring somebody to mind, Lord, to bring somebody to mind that we can pray for, but just as importantly, we can reach out to and pray with together. It's so difficult uh, in, in a situation like this to ask for help, Lord, but we're just asking that you would show us where those people are, show us where those family members are that need to hear a word from you, and would you allow us to be your voice in those moments? Lord, just so thankful, so thankful for uh, what you've done in my life, what you've done in our lives. Uh, you, 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 ch- you call it your church, you call us your bride. That's how important we are to you, that you call us your bride. And we're just so thankful to be um, able to reach out to you and, and just share our love for you in such a meaningful way. And we just want to pray for our Kingsway Church leaders as they have some difficult decisions to make. Um, it, is, it is not easy to... to um, stand at the front of the ship and, and, uh, and guide it, Lord. And I just pray for board members, for the leadership team, for, for anybody in a position of, of leadership, Lord, that you would just draw close to them and that they would seek you first. They would seek you first, that, that everything else going on around us sinks into the background as your voice becomes the voice they hear. That's all we can pray, and we just want to expand that to not just our local church, Lord, but to the tens of thousands of local churches across our land. Difficult decisions to be made. Would they seek you first? Would they reach out to you first, Lord? Seek the wisdom of of experts second. Seek the wisdom of the God of all creation first. How can you go wrong? How can you go wrong when you reach out to the God of all creation as your source of wisdom? So thankful that you're a God that listens. So thankful that you're a God that cares. And so thankful that you're a God who brings people together. I just pray for uh, Gerard and Nadine today. They're on my heart and on yours. Grateful, Father, for your protection over their lives. Lord, that as they rest under the shadow of the Almighty, that they would experience your peace in their lives. (laughs) Thank you for all the battles you've taken them through, that you continue to. God, I thank you for that. Lord, I lift up Peter and Robin DeBoer this morning. Oh, Lord. You're close to the brokenhearted, and this morning, I pray just a sense of your presence in their lives and in their family. God, I pray for Janelle. Lord, that you are the friend that sticks closer than a brother, that when times require isolation, she would realize this morning she's not alone. I pray that for her this morning. Father, I pray for this family down the, down the road. God, I believe you're calling for them and reaching for them. And I just pray that you'd give us the words to say, the deeds to do that would show them your love, that they might be open to your voice and your message of hope. 
just encourage you if you're in your homes right now, if there's somebody who comes to mind, would you just lift that up before the Lord? We as your church, Father, being your church. We stand in the gap this morning and pray for our provincial leaders, national leaders, those who have very difficult decisions to make. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would grant them wisdom. I pray that they would have wisdom. God, I pray for their salvation. I pray that they would truly know you. I just pray for their inner soul, their inner being, the trial that this must be on on all of them. Father, we believe that you're bigger, that you're greater, that you've got room for all of us in your house. God, we lift them up before you today and ask that they would give wise leadership and counsel to our our province and to our, our nation. Lord, we pray for our nation this morning. A nation we love, a nation we're blessed to to have. We sing, God, keep our land glorious and free. We we pray that this morning. God, we pray that not that it's our physical country, but the people of this country. Lord, I pray that there would be a turning to you through this season that as things get darker, that your light would shine brighter in and through the lives of your church, but that this nation would see you for who you are, for who you are, the God of love, God of justice, and the God of goodness. God, we pray for them this morning. Holy Spirit, I pray and ask that you would continue to call us to prayer in this times where we may have more free time, spare time, that our passion would be to grow in you, to know you, to pray for those around us, to serve those around us, to be your light, to be your hands, to be your feet. Jesus, that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. Father, yours is the glory, the power forever and ever. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Kingsway, for who you are. It is uh, a blessing and a privilege to be a part of this family. And when I look at all these empty chairs, man, I miss you. I miss you. I loved having those conversations with those who I had the chance to see, even if it was just picking up goodie bags this week. And that's all the stuff that we miss so much. I pray that you give some thought to what shared today. Keep us in prayer. If you have some thoughts you'd like to share with me, please let me know. Uh, I'm, I'm all ears. I uh, would love to hear from you. Just know that uh, I'm wishing you a happy new year with no fear. In Jesus' name.